Welcome, you are listening to the Twice Over Movies Podcast. In these first few episodes, I want to spend just a couple of minutes explaining who we are and what we are doing with this podcast and website. So as you can tell, this podcast is specifically about movies. My name is Faraz and I'll be hosting each episode alongside a rotating co-host between Fahad, Yusuf, and Faran. Each episode is for one movie. We will spend 10 to 20 minutes discussing our scores without giving away any major spoilers. Afterwards, we will have a spoiler alert and then we will dive into a deeper discussion into the movie. And that will go as long as it goes, maybe 15 to 45 additional minutes. Our scores are broken into five segments of a movie. First, acting, defined as the execution of the writing and story by the actors. Second, direction and plot, defined as the entertainment value, pace, and audience connection. Third is the writing, which is defined as primarily the dialogue. Fourth is the cinematography and photography, defined as the visual appeal of the movie. Fifth, themes and motifs, defined as the presentation of the underlying message and or idea. For each of these categories, we assess if it was substantive, purposeful, logical, engaging, satisfying, clear, consistent, etc. This is where the website comes into play. Depending on how you order the importance of the categories mentioned, you will get a composite score indicating the strength of the movie on your standards. Currently, you will see a score based only on how the host rated the movie, but we have every intention to include you into the process to add a community score alongside the host score. We hope you enjoyed the podcast, continue listening, and support us. Now on to the episode. You like swimming, man? Mm. <laughs> that much, huh? Hey, hold up. Pick one. Ah. <laughs> Good choice. Put it in your pocket. Hey everyone, welcome to the Twice Over Movies podcast. This is your host Faraz. And this is your co-host Fahad. Today we're discussing Moonlight, 2016 film directed by Barry Jenkins. All right, so Moonlight, Fahad, this is the movie that you selected to mm-hmm. get this podcast off the ground. What was your reason for selecting this movie? Well, it's a great coming of age story um, and it's told through the lens of this young black American um, and he's this kid is struggling with his sexual identity, um, his overall identity, and there's a lot of good drama storylines going on in this movie. I feel you. I feel you. I thought a good movie to discuss. All right, so we'll get started with our scores. All right, Fahad, I want you to go first. I want you to tell me what you thought about the direction and the plot. Okay, so I can give you my score. I gave it a score of 90. I think Barry Jenkins really deserves a lot of credit here. There was never a moment that felt forced. The way he directed the movie, he really let the actor shine. He got out of their way. And because it's a drama, I felt that that was appropriate. Yeah, what do you think for us? All right, so yeah, I thought it was also a pretty good movie when it came to the direction and the story itself. I gave it an 80. Maybe I didn't like it as much as you, but I did like it. I did enjoy it. The story was 
like it was paced very well. Barry Jenkins did a great job in directing that. He did a great job in directing the the stage, the general uh, plot line, the three sections of the movie that we follow, like in elementary years, I would say, I don't know, eight, nine years old or something. And then as a teenager, maybe as a 16 year old, and then as a full blown adult, like mid to late 20s, like just the way it flows, it was pretty good, easy to follow along. But the only reason maybe my score is not as high as yours, I thought mm-hmm. the, the story was a little too simple. Now, okay. That doesn't mean like, it just means that he focused a little more on another aspect of the movie, which was motif and themes. Why don't we do that one next, Fahad? What'd you give that? I gave it a score of 85, so a little bit lower. I thought there were a lot of major themes in this movie that were handled well. Themes including masculinity with a child growing up. You get to see how that progresses, right? You see uh, themes of fatherhood or the lack thereof, right? You have a surrogate father coming in with Mahersha Ali's character. You see themes of motherhood and his relationship with his mom, obviously his sexual identity because he was a, um, a child struggling to uh, you know, identify as a gay person. He didn't know whether or not he was, and there, was, there were bullies, right? And then it also, this movie also threw in how it is, the experience of a, uh, a black kid growing up in America. All right, so I gave it an 85 as well. So I agree with almost every single point you made there. There is a wide range of themes and then the motif i think is very much centered around masculinity uh sexual uh, orientation and the struggles that go along with it and then there is the other parts that you mentioned him growing up as a black american the african-american community and just the general problems or issues that that community has had to deal with due to obviously you know like generations of racism all right so we agree with the themes and motifs we both think it's 85 next one i want to do is writing what do you think about that the writing i gave it a score of 90 i thought it was a very well written movie it's coming it's adapted from a play and you know what i'm a i'll admit it i'm a sucker for movies that are adapted from plays one of the other my favorite other movies is Incendies, and that's also based on the play. Just a little side note. So Barry Jenkins, the director, he adapted the screenplay. I understand why you may give the writing a lower score. The dialogue was limited because of Chiron's innate, I don't know, sensitivity and just a quiet natured kid growing up. What'd you give it a score of? I actually gave this a higher score than you. Oh, wow. I give it a 95. It was near perfect for me. I get what your point is right there about not just Chiron, but like, well, both as little and as Chiron, like both the teenage and the mm-hmm. very young uh, boy. The dialogue is so limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when there is dialogue and the topics that are being like discussed, the themes that are being touched upon, the dialogue is incredible. It's so incredible. Like I kept thinking to myself, how can you possibly write this and then have the actors execute it without it coming off as cheesy or forced or or just awkward at points? Because there there's some like awkward scenes. Oh right, awkward in the sense that there's the actors have to act in a in a very intimate way, right? Because it's about relationships. Exactly right. They're they're very much like like we mentioned in the themes. Like there's this whole aura of sexual tension 
especially with Chiron and as Black, not so much as Little, because he still he still doesn't really figuring know, right? Out. Yeah, he's still figuring yeah. it out. Um, but it's still it's still there. There's still moments where you know he's asking Juan, "What does this mean or what does that mean?" Just the way it was written was so good. It was so good. I thought I was so impressed by it, considering everything I said. I thought it was it was as good as it could be. The only reason it isn't a perfect score is probably like what you said is only because there is too little dialogue when you want there to be dialogue but Mm -hmm. maybe that's the point you want it to be there but it just isn't you have to focus on the other aspects of the movie but yeah incredible sure and especially because the dialogue is limited from the main character you want more dialogue from the yeah exactly you want like and not just like that you want more from the character but you want the character like to stand up for himself or to explain himself or to you know seek help or something right like but that's not the story the story works as a story because uh you know where it is what it is and considering that i thought it was incredible do you want to move on to your next category pros yeah let's do acting now where'd you give that so the acting i almost wanted to split up between acting and casting overall i gave it a score of 85 um i thought the acting was incredible but I think the casting kind of suffered. Let me explain a little bit here. Uh, Mahersha Ali's character, Juan, he acted his butt off. He was a great surrogate father. There are scenes in that movie, which I still, I can imagine right now, like watching the movie. I'll remember to this day, right? Although he's the Juan character, he's a drug dealer. He's able to show a sensitive side. There was a scene in the movie where Chiron asks him whether or not he's a drug dealer because his mom is a drug consumer, right? So he he thinks of that occupation very lowly, and so Mahershali's character has to Mahershali's character's one. He has to admit that he is a drug dealer, and it, you can see the pain on his face. And um, when he finally reveals that he is one, he um, buries him, buries his head. And I thought that was one of the best acted scenes in the movie. Um, Naomi Harris's character as a mother, it was very nuanced. There was a scene at the end that was amazing. Can't reveal it right now because that's part of the spoilers. She simultaneously captures our disgust at her character and our sympathy. Let me point out some bad actors, actually. So the casting, let me explain. Chiron uh, is the adolescent kid. Little's the um, child. And Black is the adult version of Chiron. Um, So I thought it was a very jarring switch to go to Chiron as the adolescent in his teens. Their looks were completely off. What do you think? Okay, um, okay. let me just give, give my score first. My score is very close to you. I gave it an 80. Again, I, I thought it was pretty good. Juan uh, Maher Shala Ali, like he was, he was incredible. I, if, if I'm not wrong, I think he won Best Supporting Actor for this. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, so I thought all the kids individually, so who played uh, Little? All right, so Alex R. Hibbert, he played Little. I thought he was great as Little. He really introduced us to a a child who you're really concerned for, like from the get-go. And then you really can feel the isolation confusion and pain that little is going through i think from the first or second scene of the movie when he's running away from the bullies into the like abandoned crack house all right so i thought that was great then sharon played by ashton sanders this is the second part of the movie the adolescence he was the least uh impressive of the three agreed completely but he was still very good again like i mean he was the least impressive maybe because like He's also playing, like in my opinion, the hardest role 
He's playing a teenage boy who is probably pretty sure about his sexuality at this point. But it's also an awkward time in life. And mm -hmm. he portrayed that pretty good. But comparatively to Little and to Black, uh, it wasn't as impressive. What about Black's character? Black's um, portrayal? Now, Black's character, I get what you're saying. It was a little jarring to see the significant difference not just in appearance but also in attitude my my qualms were with chiron the adolescent i thought the switch between child and the adolescent into chiron that was the jarring uh, part okay because he was this lanky character when he goes into black as an adult you can almost imagine how he um how he built himself up through his circumstances how he put the muscles on whatever and changed I, I thought the similarities between facial structure was there but with uh chiron it was too jarring the skin complexion changed and the facial structure was way off so that was the jarring part for me the child to adolescent switch so you're talking straight up casting only when you say that yeah well i i thought the acting of the adolescent the um chiron was weak but okay. I agree with your points uh, that it is a hard character to act out. So when I say it was jarring or significant between Chiron and Black, I, I guess I'm not saying so much so in the cast. I'm saying more so in terms of the acting and like the behavior. Like it just you get to know a character. So the flow for the character from Little to Chiron flowed mm -hmm. better than it did from Chiron to Black, where okay. you could see why... Sharon behaved the way he behaved because of what we saw him as little. But when we saw Black, it was, um, I guess, a little too significant of a change. But then when we go back to the general writing, the direction, uh, the plot, the story in general, I think it saves it. Like you, you sure. can accept it because of all those other things. You can be like, OK, yeah, I mean, he clearly has this happen. So therefore he becomes this, right? Like you can right. you can accept it. We have uh, cinematography, photography left. Um, I gave it a score of 90. Okay, what can I say about this movie? It used an interesting palette of colors. Uh, the outdoor scenes had a completely different set of colors than the indoor scenes, which I found amazing. Like the outdoor scenes all had this intense sun, which was very oppressive. And then the inside indoor scenes had this like, almost like, um, what's the word, this groovy neon colors. You saw the reflections in the faces. All the night scenes were incredible, especially in the moonlight at the beach. Also, I wanted to mention a specific scene. Um, Chiron, or I'm sorry, I should use the kid's name. The kid's name was Little. As a kid, Little, there's a scene where he's playing with the neighborhood friends. They're playing like take down the person with a ball or whatever. And then the camera is almost like dancing ethereally. It reminded me of a scene from Terrence Malick movies. Something you really notice in this movie is reflections on faces, light being light and light, especially um, there's a lot of scenes where the faces almost look wet. And so you get a really interesting reflection off people's skins. Yeah. So, well, what you just mentioned there about the light, I mean, the movie is called Moonlight and it's mentioned uh, once within the dialogue, right, Juan is telling Little when they're at the beach a story of when he was in Cuba. Cuba, right. Yeah, and this old lady would call him blue because in the moonlight, black boys, their skin looks blue because of the reflection. All right, let me give you my score. I agree 100% with you. 
I gave I give it a 90 as well. Same things. I noticed the same things that you mentioned. Like the outdoor scenes are super well lit. I mean, this is Miami. It's hot. You can tell it's hot. And it's obvious just from like how everyone has to squint their eyes. Um, like that, <laughs> yeah. like there, there's like a, a shimmer to the skin because it's probably hot and humid and they're probably sweating. And right. indoors is super, super cool. Like the lighting is super cool, like very uh-huh. blue. Yeah, especially at Juan's house, there's almost like a different lighting. And I think it shows that Juan lives in this isolated place because he's so well off as a, as a drug dealer that he gets to like almost create his own environment while all the other characters we meet in their places, they're all, they all kind of seem a little raggedy, I guess. They don't seem like separate. Yeah, so I was going to say there are two scenes I noted specifically. I don't want to give them away right now because they do include spoilers. But there's okay. there's two particular scenes that I noticed that the light was very, very warm. And there could have been more. I didn't like pause and like jot it down every time I saw it. But these were two times I noticed it because it happened after two similar sequences in the movie. And we'll discuss that past the spoiler alert, which, I mean, I'm just going to say it now. This is your spoiler alert. Everything that we say here in the discussion will include all of the story in the movie. It will be a free-for-all. So if you haven't seen the movie, you should go watch it. Not that this, Yeah, it's not that the spoilers will really ruin much, but it will. it's just a better watch when you don't know what's about to happen. But yeah, there you go. Spoiler alert, everyone. All right, Fahad, let's get into it. All right, so I'm just going to stick with that right now. So the two times I noticed the warm scenes. The first time, we're with Chiron. Uh, so he's the adult or the teenager. He is at the beach with Kevin. It's not warm. It's very cool at the beach. Like you said, like the water, it's like blue. You got the blue reflections mm-hmm. going. But then Kevin gives him a hand job, right? When they go in the car and like Kevin's dropping uh, Chiron off, in the car, that whole drive, it's so warm. It's so yellow. <laughs> right, right. Remember that. It was almost um, lit by the uh, street lamps, right? Yeah, only the street lamps at this point. I just think, I mean, I think it was purposeful because the next time I noticed how warm the lighting looked, uh-huh. In terms of the cinematography and the, it was when we are with Black. So he's an adult and he gets the phone call. Initially, he thinks it's his mom, but he finds out that Kevin just called him. After Kevin tells him, like they have like a small chit chat. Nothing like, I don't think Sharon really says anything at all. I mean, not Sharon, I should say Black. I don't think Black says anything at all. Other than yes or no or whatever, right? Yeah, yes or no. Or like, yeah, because he's like, do you speak to Teresa? He's like, yeah. And then when he hung up or when Kevin hung up, and Black put the phone away. The lighting while he lays in bed, mm-hmm. we're looking at it from like the, the top of his head looking out. Mm-hmm. And it's super, super warm. And what do you think that symbolizes? I think I think it symbolizes that, you know, there's a... Obviously, we associate warm colors with like literally the feeling of like feeling warmth. You know, it's just like if you're like hugged by someone, that warm feeling you get. And I think that's what we're supposed to think that once Sharon has that feeling... Because mm-hmm. we know, right, that that hand job that he gets on the on the beach, like he even says it. It was it was it was super meaningful to him to the point that he says that it was the only time really in his life that he's been touched, and he's saying that in like a in a good way, right? Like he's saying. See, let me say, let me mention something about that about that comment. For me, when he says that's the only time I've ever been touched, to me it indicates that he between Chiron and Black, he remember he um. He got taken away by the police for assaulting the bully. I thought he built himself up 
to that extent because he realizes the world is harsh that he never let anyone close to him and so he created a wall a divide between him and the world and that Juan was the not Juan Kevin was the only person who had really achieved any sense of intimacy with him and that was before his transformative uh transformation into black where he's you know all muscle this tough guy right yeah but also just literally in the physical sense when when he said that's the only time i've been touched i i thought it meant sexually like i right because he gave yeah no so did i i i, I thought of it as sexually not just sexually but like physically f- being embraced right mm-hmm. it's the only time he's been truly embraced sexually and otherwise why don't we talk about powerful scenes in this movie one of them to me one scene that i found particularly powerful was his um almost confrontation and with his mother at the end she's in that halfway house i assume and he's talking to her he's checking up on her his mom's asking him well what are you what are you doing are you still on the streets are you still slinging dope or whatever else he's selling um and he's like yeah and she responds with almost this you know hostility because she's in a better place she doesn't want him growing up like that or in that occupation because she knows it's disastrous and he gets he gets very angry he's like well why do you care you you were on drugs my entire life where were you when when i needed you right and she was and then he almost breaks down and they hug it out and it's just i don't know it's a very nice scene i agree that was one of my favorite scenes it's the only time like you said earlier in the episode here like Paula um, Little's mom, played by Naomi Harris. She did a great job of basically bringing the character whole for the audience of this complicated individual that has come to terms with the mistakes that they've made. They are living with those regrets and they still aren't like fully healed and they still feel like they could fall back into the same traps. Like A culmination of all of that, she... Like that scene was very powerful. Black was really good at acting, man. Black was really good. That scene, like he, yeah, it was amazing. Not just that scene. I think he had a lot of those moments where there was not much for him to say. But again, this comes back to the writing too. Like so, that scene with Black, the one that you mentioned with his mom, and you know, with um, with his acting, um, there were a lot of these scenes where you could tell he wasn't able to process the emotions because emotionally it seemed like he was stunted because you know the lack of love from his mom so there's in that scene with his mom um he's almost depressing the emotion yeah he's almost rejecting it because he's he's this guy who um he's this very stoic guy streets have hardened him and he's trying to suppress it right and it was a great scene where he that emotion kind of bubbles up the other time black and the actor's performance portraying him was super incredible so Black was played by Trevante Rhodes. He did an incredible job when it was that scene with uh, Kevin as adults, right? They're in Kevin's house now. Mm-hmm. And he is opening up to Kevin. And like he has like, you know, the balls to finally just tell him like what that night meant to him. Yeah. The acting, the execution of that and the writing of all of that, all of it was perfect. Like we're talking about a very awkward scene mm-hmm. and to pull it off without it coming off again as cringeworthy or awkward or cheesy or whatever, it came off as perfectly done and you're there with them and you feel for it. Like you're feeling it with them. Right. 
the way the way he's opening up to him it's very um and he's like very scared to do it too right he's he's uh he's almost like struggling to get the words out the way he's speaking his inflection it's a very hushed voice showing you like the his sensitive side again the the side that we didn't see when the side we only saw when he was a kid right when he was super vulnerable yeah like he he is i mean he's basically holding back tears yeah. right and you and you believe it is believable all right so fahad one of the other scenes that i thought was incredible and it was actually played twice in the mm-hmm. movie first time we see this scene is juan confronts little's mom and her boyfriend in the car. We can assume that they were smoking crack in the car by the dealer, which is a no-no. Mm-hmm. And Juan confronts her, says like, you know, what she's basically, you know, making her feel guilty for what she's doing. But then she turns it around on him and says, well, you're the one selling it to me. And uh, which which annoys him, obviously. So the next scene, we can assume that the mom goes home. The next scene is silent. There's music playing. There's this harsh pink light coming out of a bedroom, lighting up the hallway. And uh, the mom is staring down little. Again, it's silent. We don't hear anything but just the music. She yells something at him. And then she walks into her room. After she yells, you see Little like kind of look away and then look back. So that scene, at that point, it just seems like, all right, what's going on here? All right, so the next time we see this scene is to start Black's story. And his story starts with him dreaming about this scene from his mm-hmm. childhood. But now the scene is playing backwards. The music is playing, but it's a little more intense now. And she's walking backwards out of her room, walking towards him. And then it goes through the scream and then it starts playing it forwards with the music stopped and she's just yelling at him, don't look at me. And that's why you know now, oh, that's why he looked away. But at that point when she yells, don't look at me, Black wakes up and that's when we are introduced to Black and Black's story starts. So I thought that that sequence, that scene and the way it was used once as him mm-hmm. as a child and once him as an adult and how it's it's a part of like you know what they say about memories they tend to age you tend to see memories a little bit differently maybe he sees that moment a little bit differently as an adult i don't know i mean he he's clearly traumatized by it still like he's still traumatized by the fact that he didn't have a mother that that was there for him the way she needed to be there for him. It's a powerful scene. I I liked it a lot. And I I really liked it how it came back. And I really liked how the first time they kept it mute, only the music, and you don't really hear what she's yelling, but you can tell she's yelling something not nice. And when you actually hear the yell, like it's, it, it, it shakes you a little just as you would expect it to shake a child. Like, that's just crazy to me. Like, you know, uh, people can be like that. But yeah, that was a scene that I really yeah, liked. Yeah, I like that scene too. There were there were a lot of dreamlike scenes um, with with Juan and with uh, Little. There was a scene where he taught him how to swim. Um, that was really well done, and it was almost like I don't know, like the camera was bobbing almost in the water. And I don't know. I like that scene. Well, okay. So about the camera, I noted how I think almost all of the scenes were like handheld outside of like maybe a couple. when when they introduce a lot of movement like um rotating the camera yeah i mean not just that just if if you notice a lot of the scenes are handheld and they're following the character that we're with whether it's juan whether it's little whether it's kevin whoever they're following pretty close to the subject it's like chest and above only not even like torso 
chest and above, you get a lot of the scenery or the the setting within the scene, and it's handheld most of the time. Even when you're uh, when you're with Kevin and Sharon in the back of the car, it's handheld. Also, there's a lot of stuff where there's a lot of circling of the subject. Mm-hmm. So when we even are introduced to Juan, very first scene of the movie, he gets out of the car, handheld camera right behind him. And when he goes up to the dealer, uh, the camera just circles around them as he has their conversation. Like it's not still at all. It's literally circling around him. When another time I noticed it is when um, we are following mm-hmm. Chiron after Kevin has been like, this is again, the teenage Chiron. Kevin has been told to knock him out, right? Oh, right. That we bully. follow that bully as he's circling Chiron, right? Yeah, exactly. Same exact uh, stuff. Yeah, so let's talk about the, the beach and the water because that's definitely a, a theme. So one, I think the first time we do come across it is, like you said, with Juan, when Juan teaches him how to swim. And then the next time is when he's with Kevin as Chiron. If I remember correctly, Kevin's talking about how the when the breeze rolls into the hood, everything just like quiets down. He's talking about a moment of like serenity almost. And then, you know, they, they look at each other. There might have been a little bit more buildup, but there wasn't much buildup. You didn't know where the scene was going. And then it's, it's all intimate all of a sudden. I'm trying to think. There was one other time we have the water. I, I want to say it's when Black is driving down to Miami to see Kevin. And he stops to have like just like a break in the drive. And I think he just takes a moment to, you know, just feel the breeze of the beach and listen to the water. But I, I think it became almost like a safe space for Chiron. Even in that scene where uh, Black where wakes up from that nightmare that you described moments ago, after he wakes up from the nightmare, he sinks his head into a sink full of ice water. Um, maybe he's seeking the isolation that comes with, you know, sensory deprivation when you put your head in the water. Um, maybe he's trying to just, you know, relax himself or something. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. The first time we see him do that is actually we see it a lot. So as little, we see him uh, give himself with the a bath. Dish soap, right? Yeah, with the dish soap. Yeah, and then as Sharon, we only see him use the use the dunk his head into the ice water after he gets like beat into a pulp like mm-hmm. by the bullies. Like the day before, he like you know basically goes and smashes a chair on the bully's mm-hmm. back. Um, and then yeah, and as an adult, maybe it's just something he does out of habit at this point because of what you said. It's just uh, the isolation that he gets from it, and it probably just calms him down or soothes him. Yeah. What did you think about the ending of the movie? So he opens up to Kevin and then it just ends with uh, Kevin holding him straight up, right? That's all it is. And that's what I think I meant by like when he says that's the only time he's been touched. Like he literally means that in a physically embraced in a warm Mm -hmm. way. And that's how the movie ends is Kevin just has uh, Black's head on his shoulder with his hand on Black's head. And like, you know, he's being embraced at that point. And it indicates that there's hope for uh, Black that he's... um... He's going to let, you know, Kevin close to him. They're going to be like, I don't know, you know, Black's built himself in such a way that kind of isolates himself from the world. Here we see him opening up. um, So there's hope for him. Yeah. So you're saying, okay, we end the movie with a little bit of hope. I agree. That's why it felt good to me that the movie ended like that. And I liked it. But would you say overall that this movie is just sad? Like it's a sad movie. I found myself pretty yeah. sad throughout Same. the movie. 
And I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like, I loved the movie. I liked it a lot. And I would recommend it to uh-huh. anyone. But it is sad. Like, you have to be ready to just, like, feel bad. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just... I mean, I think what makes it more sad to me is to know that, like, this is real. Like, there's definitely kids out there that are, you know, struggling with their sexual identity or whatever it may be. And then they have a bad, a a home life that isn't supportive. They don't have a support system. And there is, obviously, we know that there's bullying. And it's just, it's so sad to think that this is what kids go through. But man, you know what was a really sad scene for me? After Sharon gets beat up by the bullies, he is talking to the, the counselor or the, I don't know, the dean of the high school, whoever it was, that lady. And she wants him to press charges. And he he's just like sitting there hopeless. He's crying. He's bleeding. And it's just like, man, yeah, like, it's sad. It's yeah. so sad because you want to be there for this kid. But what can he really do at that point? You know, she's helpless. She can't help him at that point. Yeah, like it's too it's too late. Like this guy's life is there should have been some intervention a long time ago. Right. Yeah. Like you said, the movie ends with some hope. But at that moment of the movie, it felt like hopeless for him. And I felt so bad about it. Good movie, though. Good movie. I mean, that's what a movie should do, in my opinion. It should make you feel one way or another, but it should definitely make you feel. And actually, I would say this. When I first watched this movie, I watched it around like the award season time when it was up for the awards and all of that. So when it came out 2016, right? I probably watched it January of 2017. I remember telling... I watched it with my wife. I remember telling my wife that I felt it was overhyped. I don't know why I felt that way. Maybe because it was a little overhyped. I just heard so much about it. I kept seeing it everywhere. We went to the Chicago Film Festival, and um, I mentioned that Moonlight had sold out before I had the chance to buy tickets. And I think that may have been a reason that you thought there was a lot of hype coming from the festivals. Yeah, but it was also just like in general, I think it also makes a difference that it is a movie with a lead black character. Not just lead, but all the characters. It's also by a black director. This is also right after Donald Trump got elected. So from a cultural perspective, like it could have had more significance. And when I watched the movie, maybe I thought I was let down. So I felt it was overhyped. But watching it now, and even after like, you know, three years later, I loved it. I loved it way more than I did the first time. I mean, like I, I can see why it was so hyped up at that point. I just was late in understanding it. There was this... um article I read about Barry Jenkins uh, watching this movie in some film film festival in Europe. And he was, he talks about how in his, he gives this interview and he talks about how he was genuinely surprised that so many people identified with his movie, with the experience that's shown in the movie. And then at that point he realized that he, he had created this movie that, you know, anyone can relate to because the movie's, themes and motifs the way he goes through it it's it's very specific but then it's almost it can be um it's it's universal you know anyone can be bullied it's wholesome yeah as in there's elements of this movie that anyone could relate to it doesn't like you don't have to be a black american Mm -hmm. or a gay person or a i don't know just uh, someone from a, a or a single parent household. Like, you don't have to have like all yeah. those things, but any one of right. those things you may have experienced yeah, in your and life. And even the people, well, well, yeah, I was going to say um, the people who do have any personal experience with any of those 
you know, any one of those things, they can probably relate more. And the fact that they received it well, that probably means that, you know, the the movie captures everything well. Like there's no fake moment within this movie. Everything was pretty genuine and it's easy to see why, right? Um, Barry Jenkins, the director, wrote the screenplay. I think his buddy was the one who wrote the play, but it describes their life experiences pretty similarly. So it's a very personal movie. Yeah, like you said, it's very genuine. And I think that the fact that it is so genuine is why we relate to it. Not just why, no, uh, why we, why those awkward scenes why those hard-to-watch scenes, why it came out and was executed so well is because we felt how genuine the story was. Well, one thing we should know is throughout the whole movie, uh, Sharon, Little Black, he keeps in touch with Teresa the whole time. And also as Sharon, we learn that Juan has passed away. We don't know how, but we can assume considering Juan's lifestyle of being in the drug game, it could very well be drug-related crimes, but he still keeps in touch with Teresa. So he has a uh, a stable source of guidance from someone that cares about him. Do you think, what do you think Teresa could have said to Chiron after he had been taken away from the police after, you know, I think they might have lost contact there, right? Because they were forced to move. Yeah, maybe. And I don't know, maybe he reached out to yeah. her after he got out or maybe she just found out and reached out to him. Do you think she tried to dissuade him from getting into drugs? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, now we're just speculating. I would think that like Black wouldn't tell Teresa what he's doing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't think he would be honest with her because I'm sure he would feel shame just the way Juan did. Yeah. Ah, that scene was so good where he feels shame. That scene was really good. Mahershala Ali, like he he uh, he is really good in this role. I was wondering this when I was watching the movie. How are we as an audience so easily able to accept how quickly mm-hmm. he seems to take in this boy and become a mentor almost? Like if it was done in another movie, we would be like, yo, this is cheesy. Come on, really? How are you going to do that? But in this movie, it was just believable. Right, right. I don't know why. I suspected Juan may have had a similar experience growing up where he might have been, you know, bullied or persecuted as a child. And so he saw this kid holed up in a crack house or something, and he saw that he needed some help, so he took after it. Yeah, but it's surprising considering, you know, he he sells drugs, so there's a certain um, lack of care that goes along with being a drug dealer, right? I think we're good, right, Fahad? I think we've discussed uh, most of it. I don't want this to run too long. Yeah, let's end it there. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, We'll be back with another movie soon. Peace out. Peace. Thank you for listening to this production of The Twice Over. If you would like to keep up with us, please subscribe wherever you listen and check out our website, thetwiceover.com. And follow us at The Twice Over on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you would like to support us, you can do so on Patreon, or you can just tell a friend about this podcast. And finally, if there are any comments or feedback, please email them to us at comments at thetwiceover.com, or you can just tweet at us. The music you hear is from Amerigo Gazaway. Check him out on Bandcamp and Spotify. We'll be back next week with another episode.
Are we talking? I'm eating a... Hang on. Reading my notes. <laughs>